In this series, we interview game changers from around the globe about digital ethics, online activism and social media. We get to know them, their stories and how they have harnessed one of the greatest phenomenons of our time. A little warning, most of our episodes are for adult ears only with frequent droppage of the F-bomb. I'm Roisin Bevan. And I'm Daisy Grant. And this is Harness. So now I love going on Instagram because, one, I'm constantly learning new things and new facts and I'm kind of able to empower other people to do the same and realise that their worth is way more than what they look like. For our last week of Harness Series 1, we have the wonderful Taylor Roberts. You may recognise Taylor from Australia's Next Top Model, but since following her on Instagram over a number of years, we've come to learn that she deserves notoriety for much more than that. As a warning, we do discuss eating disorders throughout this episode. Since leaving the modelling industry, Taylor was able to reflect on the absurdity and impossibility of the industry. Losing fat where there is none was seen as doable. Her mental health was in pieces as her body was malnourished. It is so incredible that Taylor was able to come out of the industry and work towards uplifting other women. She now works as a doula and a birth photographer. Working so closely with women whose bodies go through immense change has aided in the acceptance of her own body. She uses her platform to discuss body confidence and mental health. We know it's important to Taylor to distinguish between body positivity and body confidence. The latter she uses as a woman with a slimmer build as to not silence larger bodies in the conversation around self-acceptance. When we first contacted her, we found out she was moving to London and we jumped right in to get an interview with her face to face. She's warm, open and kind. She's been an amazing support to us from the start and we are incredibly grateful to call her our mate. This is Taylor's episode of Harness. Thank you so much for being here. We are so excited. Kind of feels a bit weird without kind of fangirling you. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, we have followed your journey and there's lots of different connections there and the fact that you're from Perth, which is where we're both from. We feel like we know you. Yeah. We've seen you on TV. We watched we saw you on the telly. We saw you on the telly. And we're really, really, really honoured to have you come and talk to us. And the fact that you're in London and we get to do it face to face is really special to us. So welcome. Thank you. I feel so honoured to be here. Honestly, yeah. When you guys asked me, it's something that I really wanted to do. And I think even just like putting it into the universe and then you guys emailed me I was like it's a sign and then when you were like we're in London I was like it's another sign absolutely wow. yeah. like these things do just fall yeah, into yeah. place when you want them to happen yeah. right? and you've just moved to London so yes. you've been here for how long three weeks today and how happy are you anniversary <laughs> congratulations, congratulations. <laughs> um really good actually I've been here a few times it was a move that I always wanted to make like since I was maybe like 12 mm. even though I'd actually never come here before And then the last time I came here was August last year. I was just like, ever since then, I was like, I'm going to move. I'm going to move. And then when that visa came, I was like, holy shit, I'm actually moving. (laughs) So, yeah. Wow. And what was it about London or or why now? Like, I have a lot of things in Perth. Obviously, I have my family and stuff. But then I just moved home from Sydney a year prior to that. And I was just living in Perth, kind of just working in an office, just pottering along. And then I was kind of like, I had nothing tying me down like I didn't have a house I didn't have a mortgage unfortunately yeah it's the so day I get my future that, or even I don't even know if it's in my fucking future yeah. who knows I know that's the thing it's I'm like quite it's happy to rent like yeah is that a thing? can I, I rent forever? I think so you can rent for life I'm All happy right. to do that I'm happy anyway to do that so yeah. <laughs> yeah basically had nothing tying me there and I thought this was kind of the best time because 
I'm still under 30 so I can get the two-year visa and um yeah I was like why not I have so many friends here like mm. I have more friends here than I do in Perth that's amazing like, that you have those yeah. connections how do you have such a big network over here what's that from work or yeah from- so from modeling and mm. um one of my best friends Megan who I actually live with she moved to Sydney when I was living there on a two-year visa so I met her in Sydney like five years ago and yeah then- that's a really funny connection because yeah. we follow Megan really yeah. <laughs> it's so funny um, I didn't know you guys were friends and then I saw yeah, it pop yeah. up and I was like what <laughs> like, wow. yeah she's like one of my best friends yeah, crazy. And, mm. it, well, really interesting for us because you've both managed to have these big connections on social media and this big social media outreach. Mm. Um, and I find that like really interesting that you both have been on sort of similar journeys, journeys it yeah. looks like from the outside. Yeah. Is it just a coincidence that you've both kind of had this big following on social media or that you found your so way through Basically, I had a big following, obviously, from Top Model. Mm. I think I probably got, like, it was crazy. Like, when we were so young and you just go onto your Instagram and, like, Instagram only became popular around then. How old were you when you did Top Model? Um, 17 and I turned 18 on the show. Oh, my God. Yeah. I turned so 18 young. on a rooftop in Thailand. Oh, my God. But we weren't even allowed to drink. So <laughs> even the girls that were older than 18, we were literally no, no drinking. Oh. 17, I feel like that is so, so young. Mm. Does that ever feel like a bit exploitative? Oh, 100%. I Mm. think like even modeling in general, I don't think you should be able to do it until you're 16. I went into an agency the other day just to have a meeting and there was a girl there that was 12. I was like, you are half my age. And that's scary. And my friend Melissa that won the show, she was 16 at the time. Yes, I remember her. She, She literally won the show. And just had this kind of like crazy life because of that and just like was exploited by the media, by the public, like on social Mm. media because Instagram was becoming so popular and it's scary and I just don't think it's right. Like I think in general, like top model should be 18 and I think in some places it actually is. Mm. And we knew Mm. so much less or I feel like it was in the public consciousness so much less about protecting Mm. young women and just the power of the modeling industry. And But you were saying that you um, had a following through that show Mm. at such a young age and you had all this sudden popularity. Yeah, so basically like it was almost overnight that I had like 25,000 followers. It was insane and then all these people commenting and all these people liking and stuff like that and that's kind of, when you think about it now, you obviously realise like every time I don't have my phone, I'll be looking for my phone and it's just muscle memory of me like checking my phone and that kind of instant gratification, validation from other people that if you don't have that, you kind of feel a bit down and you're like, oh, better post photos so I can Mm -hmm. get that and I think it's from then. So basically I got like that huge following. And so did most of the other girls on the show. And I think like the louder you kind of were on the show, obviously they made such a character out of you that the more people followed you. So it was like certain of us had more than some of the others that were a bit quieter. Was that a competitive thing between you? No, it wasn't actually because we were all such good friends. So we had like, we had this little Facebook group and we would talk to each other and about everything. So we were all such good friends that it wasn't really ever competitive between us, but we all thought it was crazy at the same time. So I moved to Sydney after Top Model and Megan moved at the same time. And it's so funny. She'll probably die that I'm telling you the story. But she was online dating a guy that I had just moved in with. And she came on that same night into the house 
Oh my god! Yeah, it was so weird. And she walked in, and I was like, "Who is this chick?" And so, obviously, at first, I was a bit apprehensive. I was like, "Who is this girl?" And he'd like just met her online, and she'd come from England to Australia to like meet him. And then we ended up being best friends. Like a few days later, we hung out, and I was like, "You're actually amazing." So, so they'd like met while she was over there. Yeah. Oh, that's. And then so I moved over to Sydney, and like I think I just found off like he was a friend of a friend Mm. needing someone to move into the house that he just moved into. That's amazing. So it was like me, him, his brother. And Megan. (laughs) And then from there, it was just like, we honestly just clicked like straight away. And it's interesting that even now, both of your worlds are kind of colliding because you're both exploring motherhood, I guess, from different perspectives. Like you photograph women as well and you're working as a doula. Is that correct? Can you tell us a bit about that? I got into this because... It was kind of after I'd finished modeling and I was kind of, as most models do, feel super, super lost when they stop because it rips away part of your identity. It's who you were for so long and that's all you knew and it's all you did. And for some reason, I feel like everybody puts that kind of on a pedestal. And when you stop doing that, everybody's like, oh, you're not a model anymore, especially coming from a top model background where everything else that you do other than modeling is kind of a failure to the public. It's like, oh, she's mm. she stopped modeling. Like, oh, what a shame. Which must be very confusing. Again, you're 17, 18. Yeah, yeah. And you have enough of the world's messaging telling you that your value is in how you look. Exactly. I, just can't, I can't even yeah. get over. I'm trying to think of me at 17 yeah, yeah. and if everyone it's was crazy. basing their opinions on me at that time. Yeah. I'd be mortified. Yeah. I was traumatized from one time i don't think you even know this (laughs) okay i was at a festival and i took my bra off and i threw it at missy higgins (laughs) (laughs) amazing it was a dare and i was you know whatever i I was i think i was 18 Mm. (laughs) yeah that's crazy you were 18 did it get picked up by the media yes (laughs) i bet it did it did and she said something about it in an interview and i was like I, I was yeah, good, I mortified. Was anonymous, just, yeah. but I was like, I want, I'm a good person. Yeah. I wasn't objectifying you and I feel really bad. You know, she Did she of, take offense to it? No, 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 not at all. But she was like, just sort of made um, a comment. I don't know. It's like something about it being a really big bra because I had big tits. She was like, <laughs> she was like I've never, you know, something about big tits. Yeah. I don't know. But I was like, like. She was objectifying yeah, you. Yeah. The opposite. <laughs> well, <laughs> Missy Higgins, yeah. we're after listening. you. That was the point, I think. Anyway, <laughs> just embarrassing. Yeah. And I, I think I may have just gone red, but I was like so young and I just thought it was hilarious and I was drunk and people were daring me to do it. Yeah, yeah. And I was completely anonymous, but it did get picked up by the media. Mm. And I was like, for someone to take your image and to not have control over it, which is weird that I would want to be an actress then. Mm. But that part of it scares me as well. And I imagine going through that experience, just being in the public eye in general, like how do you cope with people's assumptions or so lovely to learn that you and the girls were such great friends. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, Mm. of course, you don't see that. Put a group of girls together and the media want to tell you how much they catfight and hate each other yeah so how do you cope with that ah it's so hard because I think now that I've learned everything and my motto in life basically is what someone says about you says more about them than it does about you so anybody that says anything to me especially online like some some things hurt a little but then you just go like I don't actually care anymore like Mm. I don't your opinion of me doesn't matter I know who I am I know who my friends are and who my family is and the people close to me know exactly who I am so whatever your perception of me is probably wrong Mm -hmm. so I just you kind of just have to just realize that 
it's not about you. Like people often project their insecurities onto you and want to tell you that and say something about that to you. So I just think now it doesn't bother me at all. Did it take mm, you a long yeah. time to get to that point? 100% it's taken me like five years. So really? <laughs> yeah. Since, since when I started modeling, when someone is kind of telling you how to look, how to be, you're going to castings and they're telling you like, they're basically comparing you to the, the girl sitting next to you. And honestly, you just feel objectified and you're sitting there going, I'm being judged so harshly purely based on what I look like. There was just that kind of click moment where I was like, I really don't know if I can do this anymore. And for people who aren't familiar with the modeling industry, like, can you give us like a snapshot into a casting or into the expectations of, you know, what, what is that actually like? You know, are the horror stories real? I think, I think there is some that are real, but for the most part, it's kind of, it's really basic, but in it kind of depends where you are actually because in Australia they're really chill. Normally you'll go into a casting. So basically you have to wear like black jeans, white singlet. It's so funny. You can always pick models on the street because they're wearing black jeans, a white singlet, a black pair of heels and they've got a black bag with their book in it. Like it's so funny. It's just this like... The uniform. Yeah, it's like the model uniform. It's Mm -hmm. it's basically just so they can see what you look like. You're not going to be wearing baggy jumpers otherwise they're just like, what do you look like underneath? And they're tall. Yeah, and they're tall. Well, <laughs> I actually, was thinking, like, I, if I wore a black jeans and a white singlet, no one would be like, not she gonna... on to a modeling class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it depends where you are. So in Paris, I found they were the most scary, mostly because there was so many girls at them. It's not even the person, like the casting director, that's, like, looking at you. It's all the other girls because you just mm. feel so judged by everybody else and you walk in and everybody stares at you and then they kind of just look away and you don't even really know what you're doing. You're just going like, oh, is, is, the cast, is there a casting director here? Like, oh, what number are you in the line? Because you're just like literally a number in a line. Yeah. yeah. And so with a lot of them, I did like the Couture Fashion Week. I didn't get any of them, but I did the castings for them. Mm. And I remember just walking into the castings and just like your stomach just feels like it's going to fall out your butt and you're just like, oh my God. I have to catwalk in front of all these girls, the casting director, and then they barely even look at you and they're like, okay, thanks, bye. (laughs) Yeah, it's just like they don't see you as a person. So that's the hardest part about modeling. Like you're not a person. collect the post if someone was watching me, let alone walk down it. That's always my worst nightmare when we'd be doing an audition or something and we have to do it in front of everyone. I'm like, oh, I don't want to do it because I'm going to see how every single other person does it and then compare myself Myself. to them and then they're all comparing. Yeah, Mm. so it's... but yeah so like it depends what it is as well so there's like catwalk castings and then there's like go sees which is you just generally go and see the person they'll probably take a few photos of you it might be for a brand or for a photographer and then they'll keep Mm. you in mind for like a future job and I imagine you have to protect your boundaries so much in that there must be a lot of people wanting to take the piss really with your time Mm -hmm. with uh you know who you are and protecting yourself from fucking creeps and weirdos who I'm sure just love the modeling industry as they love the acting industry yeah 100 and I think that's the good part about normally having an agency is they kind of regulate that Mm. as shit as most agencies are and they'll tell you to lose weight even if you're so thin already you've been told to lose weight 100 like I shock people saying this but as I am now, I know nobody can see me, but I was 20 kilos less than I am now modeling and I was still being told to lose centimetres off my hip. That Actually, is insane. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's just worth saying, as you can't see Taylor, that Taylor is 
very slim to be 20 kilos less yeah. than what you are. It's like skeletal. And you're, t- mm. you're tall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, what, do you want me to chop off a fucking leg? Yeah, that's like, the thing. What it's do you like, want? I can't shave <laughs> the bone down. <laughs> Most models' perception of themselves is so warped for that reason because they're already so thin and you go into the agency, they'll bust out the measuring tape and be like, oh, so... You haven't been working out this week? or oh, And just, they do that at the agency. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, all the other agents are looking at you and they're just kind of like, oh, yeah, so. So who the fuck are these people? Like, who who pulls out that measuring tape? The agents. And are they evil? Um, Most of them I find yes. You will find the odd one that is actually quite caring. And are they ex-models? Basically, I feel like most of them are models that didn't actually make it. Of yeah. course. So now they're trying yeah, to, now they're trying to like live out there. Or, like, be mean to someone because someone was mean to them, I guess. I don't know. But yeah, it's yeah, yeah. it's crazy. Not not all of them are, but some of them, yeah. And, and like, you just you just know that this is they wanted this to be their lives, so they're kind of punishing you for that. And is that, like, a pretty universal experience across, like, your modelling friends? Like, does everyone yeah. have these kind of stories? Yeah. Because oh. I always imagine it to be, like, Abby from Dance Mums. I was oh, like, literally going to there say. There is a few just, like that. Yeah, and it seems to be, like, always you know the image of some angry woman sort of being like you know you have to lose weight you have to be better yeah clearly that is is something going on in that person Um, but the thing is as well i think they hide it so well because they would never say it like that they yeah they're those people that kind of say really mean things but in a kind of nice way so you take it as like oh yeah maybe i should do that they're like measuring they're like oh babe so this week um yeah maybe just try with like a few more centimeters off your hip just like some of the castings and stuff they'll need you to be a bit thinner like the if sample this size. isn't like too yeah. invasive or mm. if you don't want to talk about it that's totally fine but what lengths did you have to go to losing a little bit of weight off of your hips like what did you have to do i exercised a little bit but i wasn't i never got kind of crazy with that i would just cut down what i was eating like more and more mm-hmm. and because you're surrounded by yeah. other models you must it it's must normal as well become so normal yeah yeah and you kind of realize how bad it is when you stop even if like you're still eating like I never kind of got to the point where I would not not eat but like when I was in Paris if I had a casting in the morning I would definitely not eat in the morning I'd probably Mm -hmm. have a coffee and then I would eat in when I got home because I was scared of all other foods that weren't made by me because I wasn't sure what was in them as in if you were scared because if it was made by someone else it might have something yeah it might have like some butter in it or something I didn't know about or like a bit too much oil or maybe some sugar you know what I mean so I was and I think this as well is something that happens with a lot of models. They're kind of afraid if they didn't make it, they don't know exactly what goes in it. Because if you make a salad, it's like you put all the, your ingredients in it and you might put like a little bit of dressing. But like if you go somewhere, there's probably going to be a lot more of that in it and you have mm-hmm. no control over that. I think that's because you've lost all control everywhere else. Somebody is telling you how to look, how to act, how to talk, everything that that is your one control. I can control what I eat. So mm-hmm. it's going to be strict. Wow. This is the only control I have over my life at the moment. Wow. You know, I'm sure it's still an ongoing journey to reprogram all those messages. Yeah. How did you get from that place? So this continued on for so many years after. What would happen with me, I would kind of burn out because I was obviously doing so much that I would quit modeling for a little bit and then I would just take a break and just be like, I need time off. And normally I would gain a bit of weight because I was eating normally again and I was kind of getting back into that cycle. And then so basically what happens is you have a set point weight that your body is supposed to be at and I think after I would obviously eat more so I would be putting on weight but then because I was super happy and I was running around and I was my normal self I would then lose a little bit of weight 
um, without really realizing and everybody would be like, oh, you look so good. You, so, you look so good now, blah, blah. And so I took that as like, oh, maybe I should start modeling again, literally. Oh, and it was this cycle happened cycle. about three times mm-hmm. until I got to the point where basically my agency said like, the London agency doesn't want you and you can't be with anybody else if you're not with them there. So either you quit or you never go to London and work. And I always wanted to come here to like model because I thought the industry here was a bit cooler and a bit more diverse. So after they said that, I was just like, you know what? I'm done. One way ticket out of here. Yeah. I was just like, I'm just done with all this shit basically. Mm. And then so after this happened and I quit modeling, I was just like, I honestly, it's like crazy. I put on, I put on like 20 kilos, like I said, but I went on like a six month binge. I could not stop eating. It was like I was premenstrual for six months. Like, and it was like you needed that. Yeah. To like- and it was like your body coming out of that starvation where it's it's got food finally that mm-hmm. it doesn't want to give it up because it doesn't know when you're going to do this to it again. And what happens when you are starving? Like how does that affect your brain, your thoughts? Ah, uh, it's... It's awful, actually. I was I'm reading at the moment um, Megan Crabby, Body Posy Panda's book, mm-hmm. and even just reading that, thinking about like the things that I would do when I was kind of starving myself. I was, I was really mean. I was kind of a bitch all the time. Like I was re- had a really short fuse. I had a girlfriend at the time, and she would be able to tell you this tenfold. But I was just always angry. Like I would just get angry at the smallest things, and I think it was just all stemming from literally being hungry hangry yeah Yeah. hangry I was hangry all the time and I guess maybe that's why when you walk into that casting room all of these models are just like yeah like ready to bite yeah because they're they're all fucking hungry yeah Yeah. and they're fighting for the job as well so it's like they're doing they're sacrificing all this for this job that I need to pay my bills to get and I'm fucking hungry exactly your brain cannot surely cannot function cannot work and the study that they did actually was for six months I think it was like 10 men ate 3,000 calories and then they cut it down after that to 1,800 which is so much still like a model like my diet was probably under a thousand and they were even seeing the effects of having a short temper and stuff like that. And you just think like that in the scale of things now as to what a girl will eat to keep her weight down is like half that basically. Mm. So mm. it's crazy. How do you feel now like with your relationship to food, with mm. your relationship to your body? Are you more accepting of mm. your body? And Because I went on that binge, I'd obviously gained a lot of weight and it was really hard to accept. But I knew in the back of my mind that that was what I was probably supposed to look like. But because it was way more... And it was so different to what I was used to seeing all the time on a camera screen that it really freaked me out and I still wanted to lose weight. I was like, I still want to be healthy, but I still want to lose a bit of weight. And do you think that people use the term healthy as yeah. a way to cover up? 100%. I did it all the time. And mm. I would say to people, I would say to my friends, I was dating someone at the time. I would always say to them, I was like, I really just want to, I want to lose weight to feel like myself again. I always Mm. use that term I wanted to feel like myself again when really I never went anywhere I was making up this story just so I could justify wanting to lose weight and still having an eating disorder Mm. and like I would think about food in a way of what I was going to eat what I was going to eat next if I ate that would I put on weight 95% of the day and it was like consuming me Mm. and I was just so fed up I was tired I just couldn't do it anymore and so w- when I moved home, that was kind of one of the reasons I moved home as well because I'd gained a lot of weight. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll move home. I'll just get really fit and healthy. I'll start exercising every day. Still putting that Still putting that, there, yeah, yeah, and putting that in the back of my and mind that, that this is what I need to do. And yeah, worth. and I actually went to Bali a few times when I was at home. And I was like, I really need to look really good. Like I'm going to be in a bikini. And I was still putting that pressure on myself. And then 
I don't know what it was. I think it was just like a click moment in my brain. And may, I actually, it might have been Megan as well because Megan has been such a good in, and big influence in my life yeah. towards body positivity. Um, even though we're on the other side of the world, I, I just, I was just so tired. I was like, I'm done with this. I mm. don't want to think about this all day. I don't want this to rule my life anymore. I don't mm. want. So I kind of just started taking the steps to not doing that anymore, which is really hard because even now it still creeps back into my mind sometimes and I'm course, like, yeah. please shut up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's cool that because you can say yeah, it to yourself. Yeah. Do you think moving away from Australia has, I mean, you've literally been here for three weeks, yeah. but do you think that that's been part of your journey as well, having that focus of going somewhere else and somewhere that's maybe not so, I don't know, not so mm. looks-based is what I was going to say, but I don't know if it's the same. Um, I think Sydney was really bad for me in that okay. sense. Everybody, it's quite clicky there. And a lot of the friends that I made, like amazing friends, are through modelling and they obviously love me for who I am. But then there was those few people that I would see and they would be like, they would literally look at me and be like, I'm not going to be your friend because you're not a model anymore. Like you right. could just tell yeah. when they were talking to you that they didn't want to be there and they were just kind of like, oh, you're not modeling anymore. And you just that, yeah, that yeah, condescending yeah. kind of tone. You know, what does that say about our society? Not yeah. that to be a model would be have more value in the world mm. than being a doula. Yeah. You know, and yeah. But to most of the people there that I met, it does. So yeah, yeah, yeah. like uh, some of the people, it was like, you could be curing cancer and they would be like, oh, but you're not a model anymore. And you're yeah, just like, yeah, yeah. oh, it's just, I think moving away from there was a huge step for and me. And it's all that image based, like, yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, I've, situation. I loved coming to London about that kind of anonymity and yeah. the diversity is just yeah. so lovely. Every kind of person and mm. so many different bodies, so many people, like you just see kind of every little yeah. corner of life. Um, and in one tube carriage. In one yeah, tube carriage. And you're never though. the weirdest <laughs> on that tube carriage. And that's yeah. the best thing. That's what I love about dressing here as well. I feel like I've become a different person no. because I'm like, I can do, I can wear this and nobody's going to stare Absolutely. at me. Absolutely. Yeah. I it's amazing. Used to love coming from Perth to London. Yeah. I would take like such specific outfits that mm. I would never wear yeah. in Perth because you people would look at you like you're yeah. fucking nuts. Yeah, literally. But like, here, crazy. Literally <laughs> no one could give a shit. <laughs> no. no, I love it. Because they're probably wearing something even weirder. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah no, exactly. that's it. Exactly. You could literally walk around in your underwear and no one would really look twice, I think which is nice. nice apart from a few builders they'd yeah. love it they mm. would love it whether you'd love that mm. i absolutely wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> so can you tell us about what training you've done to be a doula and people don't necessarily know what that no, is they have right? no idea and the funny thing is like i did an instagram story about it the other day and after i did everybody was asking so many questions being like this is an amazing job i just went home for two weeks and my friend had an incredible experience with a doula yeah she found out that she was hi phoebe she was pregnant at five months so Whoa. she only had yeah she had three months she had like three or four months to prepare yes and she was induced early as yeah. well so she had no time at all. <laughs> oh my um, God. Yeah, I know. It's a crazy story and she's amazing. But she was like, I was like, please give me all the gory details. Like, yeah. I want to know it all. I love yeah. birth. Yeah. I've never done it myself, so I can't <laughs> say I love it. Um, but I uh, love giving birth. But I, yeah. Um, and I've, on our podcast's Instagram page, like I follow all these birth pages and days would be like, I'm just, I was just eating my breakfast and I just saw some placenta being yeah. like shot out of a woman's vagina. It's Amazing. fine, but like when you're on the bus, it's like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got my daughter, so my doula slash photography business is, is actually called Nature to Nurture. And then so like wh I know when I'm on that one, I know some shit's about to go down. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm not doing that on the tube. Yeah, I've like yeah, got yeah. my normal one and then that one where I'm just like scrolling. And you do, you just get into this kind of like 
I get into this like world of birth and I've just watched like 10 birth videos and I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I just did that. But so it's where amazing. Did, that is amazing. Where did the, where did that idea come from? So it was from actually my friend Molly, who just before I left Sydney, I was talking to her, I was telling her I was feeling super lost after I'd quit modeling and I felt like I literally had no identity. And I said to her, I was like, I really want to do something where I help new mums kind of like maybe go to their houses and help them with like their washing and make sure they're okay and just like be with them and help them with their with their baby just because it, as well I know in western culture that doesn't really exist here like mm. in so many other like, indigenous cultures they have their family all around them after birth mm. making sure they'll do their washing they'll do their cleaning and everything like that whereas here it's kind of mothers are just expected to do it on their own and be amazing at it and you just go completely yeah so and look amazing yeah and, and smash look, it exactly in complete almost complete isolation yeah exactly and also you know just figure it out about your work yeah figure it out about your finances exactly like just just don't involve people yeah get on with it yeah don't involve your problems with anybody else no you're just just like like, it's all of that but then also i guess people are so quick to tell new moms exactly Exactly how to do do it it's like exactly you're doing that well i did it this way and that worked for me so you should do that 100 percent. it's crazy like Megan to always talks to me about the mum police because she as well because she's got such a big following and mo- a lot of them are mothers for her being so and real she on shares Instagram. A lot about yeah. you know, her child and mothering. Yeah, and so and everybody vulnerable. will literally yeah. always say to her like, "Oh, I did this. You should do this. That's horrible. You shouldn't do that. You're sleep training your baby. No, you can't do that. Oh, you co-sleep with her. No, you can't do that because it's just like." There is no right way to do anything and there's no wrong way to do anything. Like if your baby is safe and fed and warm and with you, you're doing fine, honestly. Mm, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. So basically I was telling my friend Molly about mm. wanting to do this, not knowing anything about being a doula. And she was like, you should be a doula. And I, I, I didn't even know what it meant. I was like, "What? what is that? And she was like, so basically it's everything that you've told me except a birth doula, you'll go, you'll see them before birth, kind of prepare them for birth and then you're it's like I describe it to people as you're their professional best friend. So you that you can they can count on you and you're gonna be there through the whole process. It's, it's almost like an emotional midwife. Yeah. Mm. Literally. That okay. is the perfect way to describe it actually. It's like bridging the kind of gap between midwifery and like <laughs> a support person. So mm. it's like you can give them all the information. And as well when you go to your appointments and stuff, normally you're quite overwhelmed by all the information. You're not really taking that in. And, and so you don't know what's normal. Yeah. And what's, like what do other people do. Exactly. And you don't so talk about it. Yeah. So. They come back to you and you kind of discuss it. You discuss the hospital, hospital systems and protocols and just make sure that their fears kind of surrounding birth are, are spoken you, about. Are you going to be doing that over here? Yeah. Because... I think that would be really important in the UK because yeah. I think there's this kind of innate fear amongst us all that we're wasting the NHS's time because there's so little time mm-hmm. for, for things like that. So if you've got a little worry, yeah, like get, yeah. you'd just be like, it doesn't matter. I don't need to ask that question, even though you must want to know. Like when you go to the doctor's surgery here, for example, I've seen this in a couple of surgeries. It always says like, one appointment, one, one problem. Yeah. And you're like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, it's so maybe funny. I've, maybe I've got, I've got thrush right, yeah. and maybe my arm is sore. Yeah. So, yeah. so like, yeah. can I only talk about one? Yeah. What's more important? I, I don't know. Yeah, I've got to choose. I've got to yeah. choose which yeah. one's more important. <laughs> so I, because I get really worried about mm. going to the doctors and I know, I yeah. think that I would definitely feel weird about asking stupid mm. questions. So I think the role of a doula would yeah. be incredible in the UK. I think that's yeah. really important. And I think as well, like with a doula, there is no stupid questions because I think mothers as well they're expected to know everything even if they haven't had any children like they've just gotten pregnant 
and there's a lot of things that you don't know and Mm. there's a lot of things that you might want to ask someone but then as well asking like maybe your friends already have kids you get scared and you kind of get scared that they might gonna they might judge you or mm. and like that. you know your partner doesn't know what to do when it comes down to the actual no. birth no. and to have someone who has seen it before mm. and you know to have that knows how guide it's gonna go. and you know can help you but also help your partner about how to cope with uh you know this person yeah in so much pain and all yeah. that stuff and so I think yeah. that's as well like that's such a big role that people don't really they're kind of like, oh, mm. but what if they have a partner? It's like actually the doula helps the partner a lot and sometimes the doula's role will just to be help the partner, help the mother. That's so, amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, just to know what they want and kind of pick up on their cues and how birth's yeah. going to go. And so yeah, that's yeah. really important because it would be quite isolating and you wouldn't yeah. know how to help and you wouldn't no. know what to do. Yeah. I can imagine the fights that would ensue between Beck and I. I'm like, yeah. I said, can you get me the pillow? Can yeah. you get me the pillow? Like yeah. just the sensitivity. Like, I love you. And yeah. you're like, I don't fucking Fuck care. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also you have to tell them that that's probably going to happen. And yeah, yeah, yeah. as well, when a mother's in labor, you're they're unpredictable. They generally have like a short fuse because they're in so much pain. So you mm. have to kind of remind the partner that that's not them. That is their, that is their, yeah, that yeah, is their yeah. labor, labor version of that's themselves. Funny. And yes. they kind of, they need to get to the point because Beck said she's already frightened. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to be so funny when you have a baby. <laughs> <laughs> the doula's here. Yeah. yeah. Please, I'm here. <laughs> Help oh my us. God. I yeah. do, I, oh, I'm excited for that day. <laughs> But we also were thinking it's probably not a coincidence that, you know, seeing women through this lens of motherhood, Mm. birth and photographing them, does that change your idea about women's bodies and what they ought to do? Yes. So basically when I started photographing them, like a pregnant woman is my favourite person to photograph just because like – they're normally super themselves, like this is them growing someone else mm. and they kind of just don't give a shit and it's the best thing to see. They're not kind of – if they're obviously wanting to take photos, they're generally comfortable with kind of not wearing many clothes and I just think it's the most beautiful thing in the world and I'm like you have someone inside of you and someone actually said this to me the other day on Instagram. They were like when you're pregnant, you're three people, you're yourself, your partner and your child – and I just mm. thought that was so magical. I just, yeah, yeah it's really special. I you mean, have that confidence, I guess, in your body because you have yeah. that safety and you know. Yeah. yeah. And it seems are. like so the opposite of being photographed as a model. Yeah. You know, to it is. be like that you're, you're, you're celebrating your curves, you're yeah. celebrating this, you know, with mm. the. the the softness when you're a model like you were saying, you're like, you're mm. no one. Yeah. You're anonymous. You're, you're yeah. nothing. Exactly. When you're a mother you're three people yeah that's incredible yeah that you can mm. capture that and difference. you're there being yourself rather mm-hmm. than there being just kind of somebody else's version of what they want you to be so yeah and that kind of just it just makes makes me realize like how much bigger the world is than such small things like when you're modeling like just the problems that you have and you just go like this the woman's body is amazing mm. I read the other day as well about um, the little pouch that you have on the bottom of your belly and how actually that's to protect your reproductive organs. So well, like a little... The yeah, the little pouch that you have on the bottom of your belly, that little pouch of fat that so many people want to get rid of. The that's actually, when you sit down on your toilet and you're yeah. like... Oh. And you get that little line underneath. Yeah. That's actually to protect your reproductive organs. My sister so you hold call that a gunt. Yeah, so you hold a your gunt. fat there. 
what well, you're like, cunt. <laughs> yeah. Is that really fair? <laughs> no, I quite like it. I, yeah, but like even if we're not we're not embar- we're not saying it's a bad thing, but yeah, we're just yeah. like I love that that's yeah, what you gunt. call it. Yeah, so my basically gunter. that is like I always hated that part of myself as well. Like I would literally yeah. pinch it and just be like, Oh, I just wish that would go away and there was a time where it did because I was so slim. And I would feel my stomach loving it because I just didn't have that there anymore. And then like all of a sudden I kind of just changed the way I obviously touch my body and feel kind of ha- the softness there and realize like that is there for a reason. You don't need to get rid of it. Yeah, you, you know? know the purpose yeah. of it. You're like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, your okay, body cool. is like a machine that is mm. obviously not a perfectly and working machine. Yeah, amazing. Like, I mean, it's just mind boggling yeah. to see what they go your through. Your ribs move, your pelvis, mm. you know, like your, yeah. thing, like your, yeah, and yeah, your, yeah. your whole body, like why did, yeah. like what? Your muscles relax and your bones literally separate, mm. like your sacrum and stuff separates, like in oh. order to kind of accommodate wow. for that so change. So you squeamish in any way? Is there no. any part of birth which? I thought I would be. I actually said to my teacher a few times, I was like, I'm really scared, like, I don't mind blood, but basically after you b- give birth, like a lot of blood comes out. It's like r- it's like a gushing of kind of blood and like too much is obviously really bad because you can have heavy blood loss and you can go into like maternal hemorrhaging, which is not good. But generally there will be quite a, a lot of blood after, but that's just from like the uterus and stuff. So it's fine. Um, but I said to her, I was like, oh, it just kind of it freaks me out a little bit. And then as soon as I saw it, I literally I was photographing the birth at the time. Yeah. I took a photo and I was like, this is amazing. Like. I was just like, there's nothing gross about it. And I think it's because it is such a natural process and it's something that maybe growing up I didn't – we weren't really aware of and we weren't taught that it was such a natural process no, that it's you like don't think about that. There's and then so when much happens, shame attached to – Yeah. I mean, everything around women mm. is att- shame's attached. Exactly. But, you know, the same thing yeah. with birth. Yeah. yeah. And we don't talk about it. It's not celebrated. You know, no. you're, when you're thinking like the conversations, the schoolyard conversations, yeah. and it's like – I'm so amazing to like grow up and give you know, to yeah. for my you know milk f- for my milk to come in for my yeah. body to turn my blood to milk like we don't talk like that we're like oh, oh so you know, gross so gross <laughs> yeah but if you really knew about it from such a young age and I've seen a lot of mothers give birth with their children in the room with their children in the birthing pool and stuff like that oh what yeah that's, just like seeing cute. how that it all cute. happens because then they're they realize that it's such a natural and such a normal process that they kind of grow up with those feelings of not being scared of birth, not thinking that it's something that you need to put in a, in a room somewhere mm. else, separated well, from my, everybody else. My mum gave birth to myself and mm. my sister at home. Amazing. And um, filmed both of the births, which we've both seen. Oh, and I used that's to... That's divine. Yeah, and I used I to... I wish I had that. That's I know. so cool. And my mum is incredible. Um, she is. And <laughs> I feel like a little bit ahead of her time in terms of mm. the, a, a lot of that kind of birth and power. Yeah empowerment um but at, when i was younger i was like mom that is yes so embarrassing yeah no one else has a film of their own yeah. birth like, but it's like gross. if everybody did it'd be normal yeah you know? and, and it'd be amazing to, i used to be humiliated by by those things you know and and um how kind of natural my mum was or or things like that and i'd yeah. be like disgusting when i found out my friends had born at home i was yeah. like that's, that's so, so weird, weird. yeah like, why and when now, actually i just think she's the coolest mm, fucking person and yeah. it's like i'm so proud of that yeah. and proud of her but I, I, for years mm. i was like oh, that's gross mum i want to see your vagina yeah <laughs> you're like yeah mum's vagina is so yeah <laughs> it's so funny it's the same it's just like anything like that but yeah and i then, feel like do you help women breastfeed as well yeah yeah so yeah you do the breastfeeding support and kind of because it's all like 
mothers just expected to know this. Like it's quite hard. Like breastfeeding is hard and your milk doesn't come in normally for a few days. And you start off with like colostrum, which is the like thick yellowish substance, which has like so many vitamins in it, but they don't know any of this. Like a new mother is not, re- doesn't have time to research all this stuff, you know? No. So There's having so someone, you need to do. Yeah, yeah. Having someone there to just tell you like, that's completely normal. Mm. Like what's happening is normal. Your milk's coming in and now. And do you deal with mothers having anxiety around weight? Yeah. You know, pregnancy weight, mm-hmm. losing weight. What are your thoughts on that? Basically, most weight gain is normal. Like so many people are going to obviously gain different different amounts of weight like as to what their body needs. So I think just reassuring them that it's normal to gain weight. Like after breastfeeding and stuff, generally you'll start losing a bit of it. But it takes a long time and you actually need those fat stores in order to produce breast milk. Mm. So that weight is actually helping you. So I think just reassuring them that and kind of – I think this just stems from needing to change the diet culture anyway of having to snap back after a pregnancy, just Mm. trying to reinforce that it's not necessary. Mm. You're going to – obviously, you're going to go back to your normal set point weight, but it's going to take a while. You're not going to be able to do it in two weeks like J-Lo, you know? like Yeah, so I think just – even those celebrities and stuff, like I think there is more uh, is more now that are kind of showing that, yeah, after they've given birth, like they're still going to have fat, they're still going to have cellulite, they're still going to have all these things that are normal in pregnancy. And it takes a while to mm. not get rid of, but it takes a while for you to come back to your normal self and your what you weighed previously. And it would also be strange if, if you went fully back yeah. to your normal self. It's like, no, you've, mm. your body's been through like a phenomenal journey. Yeah. Mm. Like, and that's why thing do you is. want to be what you were before yeah. when you've had that? I mean, obviously that's so easy for me to say as someone who hasn't given birth and hasn't yeah. had those struggles with my with my body and all that. Yeah. But it's just like, it's really cool that you have yeah. a, an altered body because yeah. of what you went through. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you don't realise that. That's the thing. Like, no, I mean, that's, so, that's what I mean. It's so yeah. easy for me to be like, yeah. whoa, Like that's I cool. have had even like a few of my friends and my sister and stuff like that pressure just to lose the weight Mm. is so high and it's just honestly Mm. it stems from diet culture in general and thinking that you need to lose weight and giving selling you all these products to be able to do it and having these figures like celebrities and stuff like that that have lost the weight super quick and you don't realize in the back of your mind it's like yeah they've got a nutritionist yeah they've got someone waking them up at six o'clock in the morning doing a session someone's taking care of the newborn you know you don't have that you don't have all these like luxuries that they do Mm. it's normal and they're the kind of abnormal people that are able to do it in such a different way yeah the normal a normal woman is not going to lose weight and she's not supposed to yeah Yeah, and that's okay i guess you know, diet culture in general. Awful, by Awful. the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm the anti-diet queen, honestly. Anytime it's like, says something about diet, I'm like, excuse me? Excuse me? What are you doing? <laughs> um, Don't mention that word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, like, we're loving seeing how social media, although probably responsible for peddling so mm-hmm. much diet culture mm-hmm. to this day. Like, I mean, how many ads do you get on your yeah. phone for, you know, skinny me tea? Yeah, all that shit. Oh, my God. Um, tea. But then tea. the kind yeah. of the backlash, the revolution mm-hmm. again that it's amazing it's also um and i wonder like how's your experience been with social media going mm. from having this massive overnight following almost yeah. and you you know placing a lot of value in that and needing that validation from followers and being liked and, and mm. all that stuff and then where are you at with it now and like how has your your relationship mm-hmm. with social media changed over those years i was following people basically that i wanted to be like all girls that were like super successful models and 
all these kind of like fashion people I would follow magazines and just kind of that was my main goal I was like I want to be on the cover of Vogue I just couldn't think of anything worse at the moment but like (laughs) that was kind of my main goal so that was who I followed that was what I saw every day and that was my motivation and then kind of I would have days when I like maybe wasn't doing many jobs or stuff like that. I would literally lay in bed and I would wake up and I would scroll on my Instagram feed and I would just get depressed and I would be like, why am I even bothering? I'm never going to be any of these people. Like, why do I even bother? It's not, it's not going to be good enough. So I might as well just not do anything today. Mm. And it kind of just takes your motivation away from you because you go like, it, and it drains your energy as well. Like you just feel tired and you're just like, oh, I just can't even be bothered doing anything now. And so... It was kind of a slow transition to moving into following obviously more body positive, more anti-diet culture, mm. kind of unfollowing all those people. And I think when I quit modeling, I did it so I wouldn't get jealous because at that time I was still kind of like a bit like short tempered and like I kind of envied people's lives. And I would see girls that were still modeling and just go like, oh, I, I could still be doing that. I just need to lose like 10 kilos and then I could do it again. It's easy. So I would just... I was after I went home I was like I just need to unfollow all these people because it's ruining my life like seeing all these magazines and what everybody's doing I was like I don't care about it anymore I'm not modeling anymore so there's no point like yeah I might have met them at a fashion party two years ago but they're not my friend Mm -hmm. so I just went on this like unfollowing spree and just like unfollowed every single person that I didn't have value towards or didn't add value to my life after I got to the end of it and then I scrolled on Instagram I instantly felt better and like now Mm. after following super diverse people like one of my favorite accounts is her name's Laura Thomas and she's a nutritionist I feel like I'm on Instagram and I'm actually learning things and I really love life because I want to be kind of a part of this world and now it's so different to when to back then when I kind of was just burnt out and tired and didn't want to do anything because I thought my life was never going to be as good as somebody else's Mm. definitely my feed has completely changed in that sense and now I love going on Instagram because one I'm constantly learning new things and new facts and I'm kind of able to empower other people to do the same and realize that their worth is way more than what they look like so it's really cool do you get more of a positive reception on your Instagram now yeah and even now when I look back like when I was posting a lot of modeling photos and stuff, I did see, I did it last night. I was with Megan and we were kind of looking at it. I just said like, my life looked perfect. I looked like I was having so much fun all the time. I was always traveling. I was just modeling and like living my best life. But <laughs> I was so sad. I was honestly, I was so sad. And 90% of my brain thought about food. I didn't think about anything else. And I didn't really care. I didn't care about other people. I didn't have that kind of love that I have now and that nurturingness that I have now purely because I was super sad on the inside all the time Mm. and just projecting to everyone else that I was having the best life and traveling the world and modeling and yeah making money and stuff like even though you don't make any money when you're modeling like you're broke people loving what I was doing and saying I looked really amazing and stuff so that was kind of fueling me to be like I need to keep doing this people really like it and I was getting Mm. like a lot of gratification from it and then when I quit obviously I'd post a photo with like friends and you get like no likes and you're just like oh it makes you feel down but you're like this is actually my life why do I care what other people think yeah on, yeah. The, on the flip side mm. you talk quite openly about anxiety yeah. and your and your experiences with your body and everything do you feel obliged 
to share that or do um, you feel now that you've kind of started doing it do mm-mm. you feel any kind of obligation or do you feel uh, that it's all your up to you when mm, you do it I don't feel obliged I feel a kind of responsibility to myself wishing okay. that somebody else had said these kind of things when I was on social media all the time and I was able to because I think as well back then there was nobody doing it and mm-hmm. so it mm-hmm. comes with that kind of like sheep mentality of like if someone else is doing it, like oh maybe I can start yeah. posting about these kind of things or it's like if no, it's the same thing as when I met Megan. Like we both had eating disorders. We lived together and we both had no idea that we, we did. Like, mm. and we kind of just like. And did you even know in yourself? That no, you did? I, no, I think because I was just kind of. Yeah. I'm a model. It's what we do. Yeah. It's alive. We can't yeah, eat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like Megan was making herself sick like 10 times a day. But I had no idea purely because I was so self-obsessed with what I was doing and my eating disorder that. I didn't even realize, honestly. I mean, even that it can go unnoticed. Yeah. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter how self obsessed you are, because mm. you keep that to yourself. Yeah. And she was so good at hiding it. Yeah, exactly, because you've learned the tools of how yeah. to. Yeah. And th- do I mean, it. your journey and the way you both use Instagram now, like, we still deservedly sometimes think that social media gets a bad rap. Yeah. And yes, you know, it does pedal narcissism mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. a place for grooming and bullying and all of those things but it also we really feel like it can be part of the solution yeah 100 percent. i yeah. think it can and i think the more people kind of do this the more popular it will get and like what i tell people that message me like i try to reply to so many messages like a lot of my day is replying to direct messages from people and what do people say when they reach out to you ah oh, so many things like that I've helped them like with their eating disorder and that I've helped them be able to speak about it and talk about it and like thanks for making it so normal because I think when you go on someone's feed and you're kind of just reading things you just think like oh they must have this perfect life they've got a perfect body they've got a boyfriend like you know you see all these amazing things but then you kind of come across that one person that is actually telling the truth so Mm. I think that people reach out to me because they know that I'm not going to lie to them I'm just going to give them my experiences and kind of just help them in that way thanks for listening to this episode of harness it would really help us if you could like review share subscribe follow all that magical stuff you know what to do one more thing we are proud friends of Rafiki Moema and the Carly Ryan Foundation both charities work tirelessly to help protect young people from harm and suffering support us by following the work of these amazing charities and of course each of the incredible guests we've had on the show we'll include links in the show notes Thanks for listening.